this podcast is all about shining light on the real struggles and joys of life. We will have real experiences, real people, and real stories in the hopes that they motivate you and help you in your own journey. This is the One World Countless Stories podcast with Selena Novello. Hello. Today I am so excited because I have Rosetta Dola on and she is my second cousin, right? Is that... I think so, yeah. I think. I called my dad before this and I'm like, how are we related? Um, (laughs) But uh, we see each other quite a couple times throughout the years at big parties. And I always just love how vibrant she is and how like one with herself she is. So I am so, so excited to hear that secret sauce and how you are so confident, Um, but also your life story and how you have become the woman you are today. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me here. This is really, I'm very, I feel very honored that you've asked me to do this. I, it touched my heart. <laughs> oh, it is, it is my pleasure. I was very excited that you said yes. So let's get started. And why don't you introduce yourself and tell us the most important things to know about you? Sure. Well, my name is Rosetta Dola, as Selena said, and I'm 53 years old. I know I have to be proud of that number, even though sometimes being 53 is like, oh my gosh, how am I 53? But knowing what some of my friends and family have gone through, I'm very proud to be 53 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I am married, second marriage, and I have one son from my first marriage, Gaetano, as you know. very proud of my son, Gaetano. He's 27. Um, I am uh, an exe- a senior executive at an insurance brokerage in Calgary, Alberta. Um, we, I've been working at this particular um, brokerage for about eight years now. And prior to that, I, I started my insurance career at uh, RSA, which is Royal Insurance. And I started there when I was Oh, how old was I? I was 20 years old, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I'm an insurance geek. Um, mm-hmm. And as much as people think it's really boring, it's actually not. It's actually quite interesting. <laughs> That's so awesome. That was a great introduction. You kind of gave us a great overview of you. Um, and I can't wait to dig in a little bit more. So why don't we start with your childhood? Can you tell me uh, where you grew up and what it was like growing up for you? Sure. So I grew up here in Calgary, Alberta. I was born and raised. So I'm one of the few that were born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, because most people think that everyone's from Saskatchewan and Calgary, but I'm not. My husband is, but I'm not. (laughs) Uh, Born and raised. I lived in Renfrew in Calgary, Alberta, in Little Italy. Uh, My mom and dad, um, your aunt and uncle, um, they uh, emigrated over to Canada from Italy. So I think that had a really big bearing on my childhood. I have two younger sisters, Julie and Pam. Um, So we were the three Gentili sisters in Renfrew. Um, What can I say about growing up? So growing up, you know, I think I lived a pretty traditional Italian daughter's life. You know, I had very overprotective parents because they came over to a new company, a new country. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they didn't know the language. They didn't know sort of how society works here and whatever. So they had to, uh, they had to learn that. And as a result of that, you know, my sisters and myself were actually quite protected by my dad, if you want to call it that. So I'd say I probably didn't experience a lot of 
you know, a lot of what the younger generation would be experiencing now while they were growing up in their teenage years and a little bit older than that. Um, but I mean, we still had a wonderful life. We had big family events, as you know, now, I mean, you know, the family was the biggest important thing. And I remember, you know, every Sunday, there was always some kind of gathering with the family, we would have Sunday dinners together. And, you know, and that meant anything from 10 to 30 people joining us for dinner on a Sunday at our aunt's house and stuff like that. So that to me was really invaluable. And I guess, I don't think I really realized it until I was a bit older, how invaluable that family time was and what it actually meant to me and how it actually shaped me in terms of my family today and what it's important to me. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you, like when you're around family, I know for me as well, like family is like the most important thing. So I was curious if it impacted you as you grew up. Oh, 100%. 100% it impacted me. Um, as I said, like I spent, I spent every weekend almost with one set of cousins or another set of cousins. And, and even though those cousins are your cousins, in some ways, they were almost my extended brothers and sisters, right? So like, mm -hmm. you know, like even your dad, right? Your dad was a bit younger than me, but, you know, he was still like, you know, he was almost like really good friends with my young, my younger sister. And they were like, you know, in cahoots together all the yeah. time. <laughs> and, you know, your, your dad's sister, her and I are very similar in age. And so we were in cahoots a lot of the times and stuff like that growing up, like, you know, it's just, um, like I said, it impacted me so much because family to an Italian is everything. I mean, I think it's a European thing, but I yeah. shouldn't say it's just European because I think a lot of Canadians have that as well. But in the European culture, you know, family is all about getting together, being together, helping each other and moving forward and celebrating each other's life's you know, momentous occasions, and sometimes, you know, not celebrating, but helping each other through the down, the downsides as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I love how you were like, it's like, cousins were brothers and sisters. And I always say like, oh, I'm going to a family event. And I'm like, there's cousins and cousins and aunts and uncles. And I don't know exactly how we're related, but we are. Exactly. Um, so I definitely know, like, I can relate to that part of your story, because I'm also Italian. Um, <laughs> but you had two sisters. So what was it like growing up with sisters? <laughs> well, I mean, I love my sisters. I love them to death. They are, um, they are probably my best friends, I would have to say. Growing up with them, actually, you know, I mean, when you're younger, I mean, my youngest sister was, pa her name is Pam. She's nine years younger than I am. So in some ways, I almost felt like a maternal instinct to her kind of thing. Because, you know, my mom, my mom had gone to work, my dad would go to work as well. My mom went to work. And um, so I would kind of take care of my, my younger sisters, right? We would walk to school together, we'd come home after school together, make sure everybody was okay, had a snack, did their homework, that kind of thing. So from a from my little sister, Pam, I've, like I said, been almost a maternal instinct to her. My middle sister, you know, while growing up, my sister, Julie, she was more of a rebellious um, person. She, I, I, I envied her, um, her gumption, if that makes sense. Like she was, 
she was tough. She wasn't scared of anything. And I was more, I was more docile growing up. And so I was always very, you know, I, I looked, I looked up to her, even though she was younger than I am for that fearlessness that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has kind of translated into our adult years. And as I said, like they are, they are by far my, my, my best friends, um, part of my best friends. I'm happy to say I have lots of best friends and that's a fantastic thing. And I'm happy to say that my two, two of my best friends are my sisters and I would, you know, I would die for them if I had to. And if, you know, I can say whatever I want to them, but if anybody else says anything bad to them, look out. Yeah. (laughs) Mama, mama bear comes out in me kind of thing. So, um, yeah, no, you know what? It was growing up was great. I mean, we had our fights like every siblings do kind of thing, right? We were all trying to maneuver our life and everything like that. But, um, but it never stopped us from being friends and being there for each other. Um, if I had to count on someone and I needed to ask someone for something, I know that the first phone call I would make would be to my sister, Julie, or my sister, Pam, like they would be there hundred percent, 120% for me. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And that's so amazing. I love, I love to hear that, that there's hope. No, I'm kidding. Oh, there's hope. There is always hope. But you know what, actually, you know, taking that, Part of that hope is about what you put out into that relationship as well, right? Mm -hmm. So when you put yourself into that relationship and you give yourself to those people that way, it naturally comes back to you. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I I do agree. I mean, like me and my siblings, we sometimes butt heads, but like if anything bad would happen, we would drop everything and be there like in a minute. Um, And that was definitely like how we were raised. Um, But you were the oldest child and you said that your parents were quite strict. So did you have like this, what, what was it like to be the oldest child? I guess that's what I'm wondering. Did you have pressures you felt? Did you feel like you had to be this perfect role model? What was your experience? of being the oldest child? Yeah, no, 100%. I think you hit it bang on. Um, As I said, like I was very docile. Um, I was very much the one that needed to be in control. Like I was that typical older sibling, making sure everybody was okay, making sure everybody got home okay, making sure they were eating, that kind of thing. You know, I I never really stepped out of line kind of thing, right? Like my parents told me to do things. It was like, okay, I'll do them. Um, I mean, you know, you can look back and think, and think, well, if only they'd let me do this or only they let me do that. But in some ways, because they didn't let me, you know, go out all the time or whatever, it created the person who I am today in some ways, right? And I'm very proud of the person that I am today. Um, but, you know, I think in some ways, I think it'd be interesting to hear what my sisters had to say about me as being the older child. Right. You know, I think they would say that I was chicken. I wouldn't do anything to, you know, I wouldn't step out of line. I was, you know, I was those straight and narrow. Those were the rules. I followed the rules, like right. that kind of thing, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And going through your story a little bit, how was high school for you? Yeah, high school was interesting. I mean, I would have to say that, pro- like, you know, when I think back on my life was, the you know, you think of people who are like, oh, my God, they had such a fantastic time in high school and that kind of thing. 
I can't say that was the same for me. Um, I I found it because I was a bit, you know, I was I was a bit shy. I was a bit docile. So, and I couldn't really go out, you know, because I, you know, like traditional people, you know, parties and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really do that kind of thing. So I felt a bit disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. So in actuality, two of my really good friends actually one of the persons was one of my other cousins who actually ended up going to school with me. And so I had, I hung out with her a little bit um, and she was one of my really good friends. And then one of my other really good friends was kind of a close family friend. Like her father was friends with my father. So I knew her that way. And, and, and actually she's now become part of the family. That's Auntie Carla. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? So- that's yeah, so her, crazy. <laughs> yeah, her and I were really good friends in in high school, and and um, and so those are the relationships that I treasured and brought out of high school. But like, if I, you know, if, you know, you hear people who had like all these fantastic friends in high school, and they've kind of created and long term. I really didn't have a lot of that kind of thing. Like, I had a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but but my true, true, deep friends. Um, probably didn't happen until later on in life. That's why I think family to me was so important was because they were actually more of my friends and the people that I would confide in as opposed to just the people that I went to high school with and what have you. But I mean, I still had a great time. I mean, I, you know, I was a very good student. I did well in school. I, you know, some of my favorite subjects, I loved social studies. That was like my absolute favorite subject. I love history. I loved all of that, like learning about the social dynamics of the world and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, good student. I had some good friends. I was really like when I was a young girl, I really wanted to be an actress, a dancer, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I spent a lot of time in the drama club because I mean, there I could pretend to be somebody that I was at that point in time kind of thing, right? Because again, my life was very, very much in a box. And so that gave me the opportunity to kind of be somebody different. Yeah. And were you in lots of like productions and different things like that? Yeah, at school, at school, I did do that. And, um, and then what I did was when I left high school, I actually ended up taking drama class. I went to a drama class, which included like um, singing and dancing and that kind of thing. And then I went into like radio broadcasting as well. And I did some I did, uh, I've got a communications um, broadcasting degree. Um, again, it was just my way of trying to be that dancer slash actress, performer, entertainer kind of thing. That's what I wanted to do. And so, which makes me, which makes me laugh because I ended up in insurance, probably the most boring thing yeah, ever. I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, funny stories. I mean, it's, it's, I wanted to be an actress and actually my dad, um, my nickname actually, so my name is Rosetta, but my, my nickname is Sophia. And, and it's because I wanted to be an actress. So my dad used to call me Sophia after Sophia Loren, which is a a very famous Italian actress. She's way, way older than I I think she's like in her, I think she might actually be in her eighties now, but she was a beautiful Italian actress. So he always called me Sophia. And to this day, I still relate to that name. Like he, well, I mean, my dad passed away earlier, um, well, late last year. And so right to the very end, he that's what he called me. He didn't call me Rosetta. He didn't call, you know, he called me Sophia. That's who I was. Wow. 
That's so beautiful. And so where did you go to school to get your education? Um, so high school, I was at St. Francis here. It's famous, you know, St. Francis Browns. Woo. <laughs> um, but then um, I went to Columbia College okay. for um, broadcasting and my my drama. Actually, you know what? I actually can't remember the name of the school that it was. It was a it was a local a local drama school um, where I did production. I actually ended up doing some Crime Stoppers um, productions where I was the dead victim and all of that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I actually ended up uh, setting my hair on fire by accident one time on a production. Um, cause I had to pretend I had to smoke a cigarette and I'd never smoked a cigarette in my life. Yeah. So I had to light it on camera and then smoke it, but I didn't know what to do. And this was in the late eighties and in the late eighties, girls had big hair lots of hairspray. So I was trying to maneuver the cigarette and the lighter and I ended up lighting myself on fire. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so yeah, so that was kind of fun. So it's nice, light, nice, uh, nice, uh, nice memory, I suppose. It's a yeah. funny now um, that it's over. <laughs> now that it's over. Exactly. And I didn't, and I was not damaged. My hair was damaged, but I was not damaged. I was okay. okay. Um, yeah, so I went to Columbia College. That's where I got my broadcasting degree. Um, and then shortly after I graduated, well, the day that I graduated from Columbia College, um, the CBC, so, you know, the regular CBC television, um, television, um, what's the word I'm looking Program? for? Television programs, yeah, the, the network, sorry, the CBC network, okay. yeah. actually on that day laid off I think thousands of, of their employees. Mm -hmm. And so um, what that did was obviously I graduated, I was newbie. So I wasn't going to be getting a, a job because there were so many people that were unemployed now that had experience and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I ended up trying to figure out like what I was going to do with my life. At that point in time, I, I did have a boyfriend and we were engaged to be married. So I needed to figure out, like I needed to grow up kind of thing. And if I couldn't get a job in, in communications or broadcasting, I needed to do something different. And so um, at the time, I was working in retail at the time and, and actually Auntie Carla, who I went to high school with and now is our your Auntie Carla, she... Um, she was working at Royal Insurance at the time and she knew I needed a job and so that I need, you know, to pay more and stuff like that. And so she said, you know, there was a position open in the mail room and would I like to apply, you know, she could put a word in for me. So I said, well, sure, it's going to pay me more than what retail was paying me. And I needed to, you know, I needed to pay for a web, big Italian wedding and I needed to kind of start with my life and that kind of thing. Because at the time, you know, I wanted to, I, everything was all about my boyfriend at the time and everything like that. So anyhow, I ended up getting the job at Royal Insurance. I thought I would do it for like a year or two until after the wedding. And then I would go and pursue something different, you know, more in that entertainment space and what have you. And, um, and that just never happened. I actually ended up just staying and working my way up the ladder, if you want to call it that, in uh, in the insurance world at that after that point. Oh wow! Okay, I have so many questions. It's so exciting. <laughs> okay, so you 
you had that transition period where you just graduated and you're like, what am I doing? Kind of like that moment. Can you like describe and explain that moment and, and what it was for you? In terms of when I graduated and then yeah, had and to you change, didn't have an option to job. shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a really interesting question. I was devastated because yeah. in my mind, you know, like that's really what I wanted to be. Like now, if you kind of think back, like I wanted to be Oprah Winfrey, right? Yeah. I wanted to be that that person kind of thing. But again, I think this is where probably part of my growing up, you know, because I was so um, restricted in some of the things that I had to do. I didn't have the confidence in myself at the time to say, you know what? Well, that's okay that all these people got laid off. I can still go look for a job and I can still get the job. But at the time, I didn't have that confidence in myself. And I was more, more concerned about the fact that I needed to have a job that could pay the bills and that I could be a good daughter and you know, show that, you know, I was standing on my own two feet, getting married, that kind of thing. So, you know, for a very short period of time, I was devastated by the whole thing. And what was I going to do? And I've wasted, you know, two years, three years of my life doing this. And I was, you know, and I was, I was very hard on myself. Yeah. You know, I, I think I, you know, I think I even used words like you're so stupid. Like, why did you ever think you could do this? That kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I actually then said, okay, well, you've got to do, you got to put your big girl panty on and yeah. off you go, you got to get a job. You want to get married. Okay. Well then that's what you've got to do. So yeah. go get a job, go find a job. And yeah. so that's kind of what I did at that point in time. And I started talking to people. And as I said, and to Carla said, you know, would I want this opportunity? And I was like, okay. So, and at that time, then when I got the job, I mean, it paid me way more than I was making in retail. So I thought I hit the lottery kind of thing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I just think it's so interesting because I think there's a lot of moments in our lives where like we beat ourselves up so hard and then exactly. we look back and we're like, why did we do that to ourselves? But like, yes. it's a part of the journey where you just kind of like, you just feel like I did this all wrong. I wasted time. I did all this. I wanted to follow my dreams and be this way, but now I'm doing this way. And so how did you kind of, I I love how you just pivoted and you found what worked for you and you're like, well, got to pay the bills, got to do this. But how did you, how did you get to that point? Like, how did you like get out of that devastation? how did you pull yourself out to be like, you know what, I'm going to just keep going a different way. You know, I, I, it's, that's a hard question to answer because I've always been that way. Like, it's like, okay, I'm disappointed. Okay. But you can't stay disappointed. You just got to move on. You just got to do it. And so it like, literally it's like, I let myself be melancholy and I let myself, you know, mope around for a short period of time. And then it's just something in me clicks and says, okay, get on with it, get on with your life, do something different and, you know, do it the best way you possibly can. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I I don't even know how to explain it because it's happened to me probably three or four times throughout my life from the time I was 20 to the, to now to being 53. I think I have done that about three or four different times in different, you know, in different life experiences where, 
you know, something bad happens and then you're like, well, I mope. And then it's like, Kate, get on with it and get on with your life and make something of yourself. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. It's just something in my brain that clicks. And then I go. I think the most important thing about what you said there is like you let yourself feel it, which like a lot of times I feel like I've done it. Other people have done it where they just kind of turn it off and push it away and push it down. But what I really like about what you're saying is you're like, I feel it. I mope. I do whatever I need to do to kind of just get it all out of my system. And then you just are like, okay, no more. Let's keep going. So what are the two other times in your life where you had to you where that mindset was used? Um, well, probably one other time was, um, which probably made me stay in insurance a lot longer. So when my marriage broke up, my first marriage broke up, um, I had, you know, my son Gaetano, he was three at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and as uh, being a good Italian daughter, you know, having to go and tell my parents that my marriage was breaking up, um, was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But again, I actually, I mean, I tried to stay married for a long time, like even when there were problems and everything like that. Um, But I found that I, I was losing myself Mm -hmm. because I was trying so hard to save the marriage that I wasn't saving myself in that which only made things worse. Like it didn't make things better because I was putting so much pressure on trying to save the marriage at the time. Um, and so one day I just remember a family member, a very close family member said to me, you know, you look, you look lost. Like there's no life in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just, And I thought that's, that's not what I want my life to be. And so I made the decision right then and there to have a conversation with my husband at the time and just say, like, I can't live this way any longer kind of thing. We either are really going to try and be together, or maybe this is it. And we just, we go our, we walk away, right? Because it wasn't also good for our son. And, and, but what I had said at that time was that, you know, if he decided, and it was funny because I, I let him make the decision. Right. If he decided that he was not going to be able to be married to me any longer, that I would never take him back. Like that was the end of that. I, I was going to close that door immediately. Yeah. And he obviously, you know, he made the decision to that. It probably was best that we, we separated. Mm-hmm. So we did. And, uh, and I closed the door, I sold our house, like I put the house up for sale, I sold it. And I ended up moving in with back in with my parents and Gaetano came with me. And, um, and then I sat there for, you know, probably I lived with my parents for a year. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe wallowed for a while, like there in terms of what was I going to do? Yeah. Here I was, you know, I was single again. I now have a three-year-old son. Mm. I, mean, I had a good job, which was good for me at the time. But, you know, is this the job that I wanted? What was I going to do? And then, as I said, like, it kind of clicked. I let myself wallow for a while. Mm. I'm I was very grateful to my parents, to my family, like my sisters for um, – allowing me to be that wallower for a while. And, and then I decided, nope, I was going to, I, I 
I was going to buy a house and I was going to make it on my own. And I decided that right then and there that I was going to, I was going to take this career that I had in insurance and I was going to do everything I possibly can to move the, up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And I was going to make a great life for myself and for my son. And I did. I, I like within by the end of the first year after my my separation, I bought a con. I bought a condo. You know, for me that was a big thing. It, I'd never lived on my own before, um, so I moved into this brand new condo, and you know, I had it built and everything like that. And I started moving up the chain in the in the insurance world at my at my former uh, office. You know, and you know, I just kept getting promotion after promotion, and I worked hard. Um, I was determined that I was going to make a great life for my son and myself. Yeah. And that was the motivation that got you to where yeah. you are. Yeah. That's awesome. That was one of them. Yeah. And then um, see another, another moment where that kind of thing happened was when I decided to leave that company and come and work at the brokerage that I'm in right now. Um, same kind of situation. Like I had been working my way up, working my way up and decided you know i wanted a new a new position but they weren't they weren't 100% sure whether i was the right person for that job and mm-hmm. and i kind of i had more confidence in myself at that point in time because i had been you know really driving myself for the last 20 years like driving driving my career driving what i wanted how i wanted to do it that kind of thing um and so i was like well if, if you don't think that I'm good enough for this role, then I'm going to go find someone who does think I'm good enough for a role like that. Yeah. And so I started, I started looking and I ended up at, uh, I ended up saying, yeah, I'm going to move. And it was a great decision for me to come to this particular brokerage, gives me the opportunity to own a piece of this brokerage and just make my life that much better again, mm-hmm. kind of. Thing. And I actually, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have met my husband now, because I've been seeing, I had been single from the time that I was uh, separated with my first husband. Mm-hmm. I never, I never was in another serious, serious relationship until probably 10, eight years ago, which is when I met my husband now. Right. And I wouldn't have met him unless I came and worked here at this brokerage. Right. And just a beautiful, beautiful example of how everything happens for a reason, exactly. um, which I totally love. I want to backpedal a little bit. So okay. when, when did you have Gaetano? How old were you? I had Gaetano in 1995. So I was 26. I had just turned, I was just about to turn 26 years old. Okay. And so <laughs> were, you, were you, were you already married and everything for a couple yeah. of years or how long were you in the relationship with your ex? Yeah, my we were in a so we got married in 1992. So we were in a relationship for three years. Um, and Gaetano was born in 1995. And then um, my marriage broke up in 1999. Okay. And you were just talking when you're talking about your experience with that with that guy that you were losing yourself. Can you expand a little bit on that and exactly what you were talking about there? Um, yeah, so Everything that I did, or well, what I felt I was doing was to try and make my ex, my ex-husband happy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I, I think the thing that I, I where I was losing myself is that I was not doing things that I enjoyed or things that I wanted to do. In instead, I was trying to do everything 
that he wanted to do because he was not really happy in the marriage. Like if he had never said to me that he was not happy in the marriage, I would have never probably left him. But then he told me he was not happy in the marriage and he wasn't quite sure that that's, you know, this is what his life was supposed to be. But so I was just desperately trying to do everything to make him happy, right? Anything he wanted to do, we did. Anything he wanted to eat, we ate. Anything like, you know, those kinds of decisions I made. Yeah. Um, where at the end of the day, it was wrong for both of us, right? Because I really wasn't, I really wasn't making him that much happier. And in fact, I probably was making him driving him crazy, actually, doing the shit that I would, oh, pardon me, sorry, <laughs> doing the stuff that I was doing, you know, trying to make us happy and making, you know, living this perfect life that wasn't a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't working on myself. I wasn't, you know, eating properly. I wasn't exercising. I was just, a, I felt like I was a shell of a person. Yeah. Right. And so, and I think something that I learned from there is that you really, you know, and this seems so cliche somewhere, you really can't make somebody else happy. All you can do is make yourself happy and hope that that person, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your husband, whether it's your sister, your mother, your your aunt, is happy to be there with you, be you being you, and mm-hmm. them being them, and you go on together kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um but if I'm just trying to make you happier by doing everything you want to do and everything you, you know, you like, how is that growing in a relationship, regardless of what that relationship is, right? But be it husband to wife, husband to husband, wife to wife, cousin to mother, you know, cousin to cousin, mother to mother, those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. It's like textbook person pleasing where you're like, I will just do anything for you because I want you to be happy and I want you to be pleased. And do you think that person pleasing was kind of something you've done for your whole life? Oh yeah. I still do it. Yeah. I was like, I still do it. I still 100% do it. And I sometimes have like, okay, like this is, you know, sometimes I find myself going into, you know, that people pleasing mode, like in my, in my marriage, my current marriage right now. And it's like, wait a minute, like, you can't do that. You need to be able to talk. And, and sometimes I have trouble with that. Like in, when it's a one-on-one, because you still, I still always have that hurt. You know, someone didn't love me at one point. So could this person not love me now? Mm-hmm. And will they do the same thing to me kind of thing? Am I repeating, you know, certain things? So I'm classic people pleaser, but I think I recognize it a little bit, but doesn't mean I don't still do it because I still do. Perfect. I mean, you're, you're acknowledging it. So that's like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. Um, what was the decision of leaving that marriage? What, what was that decision for you? What did that do for you? What did that mean to you? Oh, wow. That's a good question. What did that mean to me? Um, well, the decision was at that point in time, I think I wasn't happy. Yeah. I was not the person that I wanted to be. The life was really not a life because, I mean, in actuality, what was happening was like I was working during the days and my ex-husband was working nights. So we weren't even really spending quality time together at all or whatever. But mm-hmm. I was just sad. I was sad. I was a sad, sad person all the time. And that sadness, you know, was kind of 
my son was picking up on it, I think, and, and that kind of thing. So I think the decision was just finally, I just can't do this anymore. I don't want to be sad mm-hmm. anymore. I want some kind of happiness. And I mean, I guess, I guess I'm proud of the fact that at least I said to myself, even though I was scared to death about doing it, but it was like, well, if you just keep doing this, what kind of life do you have? At least if you do something different on your own, you can do it on your own and you can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love and that. I, you know what? And actually, I think in some ways, part of it was also, you know what? You've never been able to do what you wanted to do anyway. Because, I mean, growing up, I always did what my mom and dad told me to do, you know, and then I got married and I did what my husband wanted me to do. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Whereas at that point in time, it was like, well, this is all on you now. You do what you want to do. And if you've got something to prove, prove it. If you don't want something to prove, don't prove it. (laughs) And so it was like the first time where you were like, it's about me and I get to do this for me. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I think back and like my life, my life at the age of 30. So that's kind of, you know, I turned 30. I, I got separated in 1999 and I was 29 years old, uh, 30 years old. Sorry, I was 30 years old at that point in time. So it was, it was sort of like the, I shifted and I went a different direction in a lot of ways. I mean, I've had such amazing life experiences from the age of 30 to now, mm-hmm. like just, you know, just trips and new friends and like friends that are like lifetime friends now. And it's just been, it's been an amazing cup, like an amazing 20, 20, 30 years <laughs> since then. And what shifted in your mind for you to create all these beautiful opportunities? It was, I think that, you know what, I need to do this for me. I am going to do this now for me. Nobody's telling me what I can or can't do. I'm the one telling me what to what I can or can't do. Mm-hmm. So you stopped listening to those voices inside your head that said, I can't do this. I need others. And you're like, I can do this. Yeah. Now, having said that, that little voice comes back sometimes for sure, where I have doubt in what I can do or what I can't do. Um, but I do a lot of self-talking to myself. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I can totally relate. I'm like the amount of conversations I have inside my head, people would probably think that I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> we don't talk. Um, but that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. And I, I love it because I'm like able to recognize when things are going on in my life personally. Yeah. Um, but I, I forgot what I wanted to ask you I have to think here for a second. Um, I just got so excited because I'm like, I can relate to that. It's, it's just like that voice, you work so hard with it and you have those conversations inside your head. And yeah. as soon as you can start like identifying what's going on and you're like, oh, that's the person pleaser coming in. Oh, the, the perfectionist, she's coming in again. She's like, nah, 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 nah. and yeah, then exactly. when you can learn to like, Uh, almost like give them a title you can learn how to like deal with them better which I've just learned in the last year which is like the greatest gift of all well and that's amazing because I mean like you're you know you're 20 how old are you 20 yeah 20 it took me a while to learn that (laughs) totally um okay so did you raise your son all by yourself was there no 
Um, no, I mean, I re- I did do a lot of the raising of Gaetano on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, his dad was still in the picture, but I, I think I felt I had more of the responsibilities to ensure, you know, that Gaetano had everything he would ever want or need, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. I always, I always took it upon myself that no matter what he needed, you know, financially or, you know, that kind of thing that I was going to get it for him. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to count, count on his dad, but his dad was still in his life. Um, he, you know, he was always there throughout, you know, throughout his life and everything like that. But um, I, I would say I had, he was with me the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And what would you say the biggest lesson you learned from all of that would be aside from the ones you've already talked about? Um, yeah, I, you know what, I think I learned that I was a pretty tough woman, even though I didn't think I was tough. Mm -hmm. I was tough. And um, I could get through quite a bit. And, you know, regardless, what life threw at me, I kind of got myself around it. Like, you know, I mean, whether it was a financial thing, or a work thing, or a mom thing, like I still went through and, you know, and tried to kind of push forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that great. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally, that totally makes sense. But you just learned how like awesome you are and how able you are to like conquer anything you want. What advice would you give someone about relationships? Oh my. <laughs> um, well, I mean, from a relationship point of view, I think it's about being completely honest in the relationship, regardless of what kind of relationship it is. And when I say honest, I mean like honest about what is it, what is it that this relationship is giving to me? Mm-hmm. Right. And is it in and relationships change, right? Like your relationship with your sisters, your relationship with your brothers, your relationship with your your parents, your relationship with your husband, wife, your relationship with your friends. It changes. And I think one of the things that I've kind of been really learning or listening to my inner self is like, what is that? What is that relationship giving to me? And is it giving me an opportunity to be a better me? Mm -hmm. Or is it taking from me? Because, again, because I had gone through a relationship that took so much, right? That not that you don't want to give, because I'm a very big giver. I give mm-hmm. to everybody. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's what I do. It's again, it's that part of that people pleasing, right? But I I enjoy I enjoy making people happy. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is that you know you're making those people happy. They in turn should want to make you happy too. Yes, yeah. in one way or another, right? They they need to respect you and cherish you as much as you respect and cherish them. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is great advice. It's fantastic. And I think it's so important that like they're more mutual. Obviously there's like a whole roller coaster in relationships themselves where sometimes one might not be able to hold up on the other end. Um, yeah. But I do believe that being in a mutual uh, relationship is very, very, very important. And so if we keep moving along, you said you you worked in um, insurance and you didn't need an education for that. You just got in it and started climbing the ladder. Is that correct? 
No, well, yeah. So I didn't need an insurance background to get into the insurance world. But once I was in, I did take my courses. So I do have, uh, I'm a chartered insurance professional. Um, So there are courses that you would take and you and you learn about insurance, and that kind of thing. So I did that I worked. um, So I worked full time and I would go to school after after work and and took care of Gaetano. um, And that kind of thing to get my courses and um, Again, but insurance is one of those um, those careers where you can learn so much. There's just so much to learn in all of the al- different areas of insurance, kind of thing. Kind of. So, so yeah. So I do have an education, but I still learn day in and day out because insurance changes with the world. Depending mm-hmm. on what's going on in the world, will give you. Um, we'll make insurance change based on what coverages we want to give out to people. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And what, what, what is your favorite type of insurance? Like, what do you love to do in insurance? So, well, I don't, I don't do the day-to-day insurance. So I'm in, I'm, I'm a leader. I'm in, I'm a leadership uh, position at my brokerage. Um, So some of the things that I love to do, I'm a, I'm very good, um, manager. I have a lot of good people that work with me. And so I love mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I love bringing people along, along the journey, right, and kind of having people um, sort of experience and explore their own capabilities. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple people work for me work alongside me. And I have always enjoyed the mentorship piece in terms of even when they worked for me, mm-hmm. if they found another opportunity. And so I've, I've, I've been blessed by having a lot of great people working for me, mm-hmm. but they, you know, I, I love the fact that they trusted me enough as their manager to come and talk to me about a different opportunity that they had. And that's happened to me a few times. And, and a couple of times, when people have come to me, I have told them that they needed to take those opportunities because it was going to be better for them and their future than yeah. staying and working for me at that point in time. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, you could talk to those particular people or whatever, but I think I've made a difference in their life. And that to me warms my heart. Like I love, I love that piece where I see where someone I've made a difference in somebody else's life. And so from an insurance point of view, you know, it's about, you know, mentoring, showing people what they can do, what their capabilities are, and that like the oyster, you know, like that world is so open for them. Mm -hmm. And just showing them like all the options that they have in some Yeah. I love that you really care about making an impact in people's lives. And it sounds like you've wanted to do that since you were very young, because you said you wanted to be Oprah Winfrey. I did. (laughs) I I just, I'm curious, like, what about that did you want? Like, what did you want that to look like for yourself? That's a good question. I don't know. I just wanted to, I wanted to be on TV. Yeah. I wanted to impact people's lives you know, very much like what you're doing right now. I'm very inspired by what you're doing with your podcasts. Like it's such a new world out there with the way, like this didn't exist when I was 21, 22 years old and, and coming out of school. Right. But like what you're doing is inspiring. Right. And so that kind of thing for me now, 
part of me is like, am I too old to do something like this? Maybe, maybe not. I'm just not there yet or whatever. But I just really wanted to be on television, interviewing people, making an impact, you know, getting to the heart of certain matters, those kinds of things. So very much what you're doing. I think that's that's pretty amazing. Because when you said that, I'm like, me too. I'm like, <laughs> I, and I think when you were talking about when you were younger and you had that hiccup and I was like, oh, if you were a, a like a young adult of today, there's like just like so many more like different avenues and opportunities that, you know, we have with social media and just like this platform, a podcast. Yeah. Um, and it's just like so crazy. And so like, I love that you were in insurance, but have you ever thought about like, going back to like being a performer like I'm just curious like there's nothing wrong if you have or haven't but I'm just curious if there's like part of you that still always will you know want that like for me I I loved performing as well and I always kind of wanted to be an actor and now when I go to theaters I just like I am on fire after because I just I witnessed all these people following their dreams and I just like I love it so I'm wondering if there's like a part of you that still is kind of like oh I could move this direction maybe one day 100 percent 100 percent um yeah so I mean I definitely have thought about like is there like I wouldn't like I've, I've become accustomed to a certain lifestyle. So, yes. you know, I'm, I'm not going to give up my job or anything like that. But I have thought of, is there a different way for me to kind of get those acting juices going again? And, and I do, like I said, like, you know, I look at you and I look at what you're doing and some of your cousins out there in terms of, you know, the life that you guys are building. And I'm like, oh, can an old lady like me do that? <laughs> And actually, it was quite funny because a couple months ago, my, um, you know, during COVID, we obviously became very, um, very used to working and talking in this kind of an environment, right, a virtual world and what have you. And so my team that I lead here at my insurance brokerage, um, they wanted to do a bit of a team event. And so I was like, okay, well, what kind of team event would you like to do? And somebody jokingly said, oh, maybe you could teach us how to cook. Because again, big Italian family, I do a lot of, you know, you guys do it too. We do the, we do the make the, we make the tomato sauce and we make the homemade sausage and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And so my team, I'm very, I share a lot about myself, my personal life, what's going on with my family and that kind of stuff. So they know I'm a big Italian, you know, family and I, I, I love cooking and that kind of stuff. So somebody jokingly said, well, maybe you should teach us how to cook you know, do a little, do a little tutorial or whatever. So we ended up actually filming, uh, like I I sent it just very much like what you've just done here. You sent me a Zoom link. So we sent out a Zoom link to my entire team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody was at home in their kitchen. I'd given them a recipe that we were going to cook together. I gave them the ingredients so that they could go and shop for them and everything like that. And we set up cameras in my house, in my kitchen and we went through and I, I taught them how to make homemade Italian tomato sauce, like, you know, our sun, our Sunday sauce. And so the whole idea was that by the end of the, the afternoon, everybody who's on my team, and there was probably, I think there was about 16 people 
on my team that were able to join that day. They all were given, you know, the recipe. They were all given, you know, they were taught how to make it. Mm -hmm. And they all had a beautiful dinner that night. Like we made a nice pasta dinner with Caesar salad and garlic bread and that kind of thing. And that was so much fun. And it made me kind of go, wow, maybe I should do something like that. Like in terms of getting that, that acting energy kind of up again, I just need to find the time to do it. (laughs) I mean, like I am your number one cheerleader. I, you ever need help I'm not even kidding right now give me a call I'm there like I'll drop everything because I I think that you would be fantastic at that oh, I mean, you're, so you're doing so amazing on this podcast like and you're just lighting up and I can like I feel the energy and I just I believe that whatever you do which you've already proven you will be fantastic at oh, um which yeah. is which is so cool but I love that you were given that opportunity during COVID to kind of you yeah. combined it a bunch of things that you loved and were able to do it, which is just like, it sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it was so, it was really, really um, exciting. Like, it, I, I don't know, I just, I was so jazzed up by it and everything like that. And then, and again, not too long ago, actually. So I sit on a board for, um, it's called Women in Insurance Cancer Crusade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sit on the board of it and it, it raises money for, for the Canadian Cancer Society. And so, um, as you know, Michael, my nephew, your cousin had cancer when he was little. Mm-hmm. And I, I got an opportunity to interview him a couple months ago for one of our, um, one of our events with mm-hmm. the Women in Insurance Cancer Crusade. And, and I mean, I interviewed him just like Oprah, (laughs) we filmed it and everything like that. And then we put it out there and it was, that was really exciting too. And uh, I remember a couple of people coming up to me saying like, do you do like, you should do that. Like it's, you did it so naturally asking the questions and everything like that. So it was fun. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to find different avenues where I can get a little bit of that entertainment out of me kind of thing. But you know, as I get a little bit older, and you know, you start to think about retirement, maybe, you know, in the next little while, I'll start to do a little bit more of that kind of stuff. And then that'll end up being what I'm doing when I'm retired, who knows, that would be so, so awesome. I love that. And I love that you're finding like little like opportunities where you're at, because I think so often people like, will be like, well, if it doesn't look like this, and it's not exactly this, then I'm not even going to do it. But what you're talking about is you're like, I'm still doing everything that I'm doing. But there's just been little opportunities where you've been able to, you know, use some of those juices that you got inside of you, which is just like such a beautiful thing. And I just want to say that age is not a restriction. It should not be. I think you can do anything at any point in your life. Um, just in case you needed to hear that, because nope, I appreciate that. I appreciate I think, that. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, as we get older, it's just there's more to share, more beauty, more things to give, um, yeah. which is just awesome. So before we wrap this up, I want to talk about how you met your current husband. Oh. I am a sucker for romance. So bring me through the story and how you, and how, how it's going. Um, yeah, no. So you know what, uh, as I said, eight years ago, I started working at at Rogers Insurance here in Calgary. And um, I hired, I, I hired a girl to be my assistant at the time. Um, so I started working here in um, September of 2014. 
And I think I hired her in October, maybe, yeah, October of 2014. And, you know, we, you know, we kind of got along right off the bat. Like as soon as she's a bit younger, um, I always kind of called her my other little daughter. Like she almost felt like a little daughter to me, the daughter I never had kind of thing. Right. And she was young and, and just beautiful and everything like that. And, and I remember we had gone out for one night for some drinks, you know, after work, got to know each other a little bit and that kind of stuff. And, and she asked me a, a question that I had been asked very many, many times why was I single? Yeah. Like, why, why don't I like, was it my choice? Did I not want to have a boyfriend? People ask you that a lot. Oh, all the time. I used to get asked all the time why I was single. Why wasn't I married? Not because they thought it was bad. They just thought, wow, like you, you know, you, you should, I just, they don't, they didn't anticipate that me saying to them, I'm single. Yeah. They just didn't they didn't expect that. They just expected me to be in a relationship of some sort. And mm-hmm. I just never really had a lot of luck, I guess. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of good luck to yeah. have a really great relationship. And I, I do have to say I was a bit gun shy. And, you know, for a while there I was really focused on um just my career and making a great life for my son. So anyhow, so that's kind of what I said to her that night. Right. I said, Mm -hmm. like, I, that's, I don't know. I don't know why I'm single. I just am like my life has kind of gone this way and I'm okay with it. I'm not saying that I wasn't looking like I was looking, I I went on a lot of bad dates. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there are some real bad dates, but now they're funny when I think back about them. Right. At the time it was devastating, but now you look back at them. You're like, Oh my God, those are the craziest dates ever. Kind of thing. Right. But nobody, And I was always very determined. I was never, I didn't want it to be like a revolving door for my son. I would only ever introduce my son to someone who was, who was of, who meant something and was going to be there. That kind of like, I was very important to me that that was, that was something that Gaetano never saw. Right. I don't know why that was just something in my head. Yeah. Um, Anyhow. So I told, I told, Alana, that's her name. I told Alana that that is, you know, I don't know why I'm single. I just am. And I haven't really met somebody who was worth it for me kind of thing to go further. And she was like, oh, like, you're just so wonderful. And this kind of thing, you know, that was what she thought of me. And and, and that was lovely, right? And so then she said, well, I have a friend and I know someone. And she goes, and I think the two of you would be perfect for each other. And I was like, okay. She's yeah. like, would you mind if I set you up on a date with him? Yeah. Which, you know, when you're sitting there thinking, you're like, okay, like I'm your boss. Yeah. <laughs> you're setting me up. And like, if this goes really bad, like this could be a CLM, like career limiting move. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of laughed at her and I just said, well, you know what? You can't do any worse than I have done. <laughs> and I don't think you're going to set me up with a crazy person or anything like that. So I said, sure. What the heck? I could, I've gone on a lot of first dates. Why not another one? Yeah. So she started putting the wheels in motion and, and, you know, introduce, you know, talking to, talking to Jason, that's my, my guy and, and, and letting him know that, you know, would he be interested in meeting me and that kind of thing? So she had tried for a couple of weeks to try and get us to meet um, accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> it's more natural. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
And it never worked out because either I didn't go to an event or he didn't come to an event or whatever. And so finally she's like, okay, I'm going to get your phone number. I'm going to give it to him. He's going to call you. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. That's fine. So, and he, he, he texted me because he had actually asked Alana, he told Alana that he was going to call me. And, and she's like, no, no, you can't call her. You have to text her. Like, that's the way this goes. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. So he, texted, <laughs> so he texted me and he's like, hi, this is Jason, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, could I call you? And I'm like, sure, you can call me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he called me and we had like a really, you know, nice, I don't know, I think we talked for about an hour on the phone and, you know, just what's going on, what, what have you been up to? Like, you know, just getting to know each other a little bit over the phone. Yeah. And, um, and this was close to, um, no, it's the end of November was the first time that we spoke to each other. Mm -hmm. um, but I was going through, I had to get like, in order to be an insurance broker, you have to have a license. So I was studying for my license and going through some courses. And so he had said like, you know, could I, could I take you out for dinner one day? And I said, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I said, but I've just got, you know, I've got this course I need to do and but give me a call and we'll you know, we'll set something up. Yeah. Well, I never heard from him again for like a couple of weeks. Oh. <laughs> so I thought he had ghosted me, right? So I was right. like, oh, well, maybe I said something stupid on the phone and he thought like, oh, this girl's too much or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, about two, three, three weeks ago. And I mean, it's a big joke for us now, but three weeks later he called or no, sorry. He texted me and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh, well, look who's back. Yes. Look who decided to come back. <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, Oh, hi. And he's like, can I call you? And I'm like, okay, call me. And I'm like, Oh, well. And, uh, so we chatted again on the phone for a little bit and he's like, so like, is it okay if we go out, you know, can I take you out for dinner or something like that? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, sure. Okay. That's fine. Um, so we, we had made a date. So this was like, I think it was like Dece Monday, December, um, December 15th, I think 15th or 14th. And we went for our first date on December 18th, which was a Thursday night. Um, and he said that, you know, he called me, he's like, can I pick you up from the office? And I was like, okay. I'm like, I was okay with that. Like, I wouldn't want him to pick me up from home. Cause I was like, I don't know you yet. So I don't yeah. know if I want you to know where I live. Yeah, yeah. I know you know where I work. So I was like, I was comfortable with that. So I said, sure, pick me up. That's fine. And we just went to, to dinner. But the thing that really stood out for me for that, that, that night was he texted me when he got to the parking lot downstairs of my building and at my office building. And he said, Oh, I'm in the parking lot. So come on down and, and we'll go. And I said, Okay, I'll be right down. And in my head, I was like, Oh, God, like I, you know, I mean, typically, guys don't get out of the car, like it was snowing outside. And I'm like, I hope, you know, I hope I'm there's not like a 1000 cars out there. Yeah. So anyhow, so I came down, came out of the elevator, and he was standing at the door outside waiting for me and and he walked me to the car and like you know we were like hi like you know we met hi hi I'm Rosetta you're Jason okay and he walked me to the door I had never I only saw a picture of him okay so I'd never seen him I only just saw a picture so you know now we're like okay now we're seeing each other yeah. and he walked me to the car he opened the door for me he let me in that guy, and like 
literally like just, you know, very, very chival, you know, lots of chivalry there and everything. And yes. he closed the door and he went to walk around and in my head, I was like, Oh boy, this is different. Yeah. So we went, uh, we went for dinner that night and uh, we had a really lovely time. Like, you know, we had nice, easy conversations and stuff like that. And the joke that we have now is that I always say that he ghosted me. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't ghost you. He's like, you had a couple things. I didn't want to bother you while you were trying to get your oh, life. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. I was like, what's the story there? Why did he not call? Because <laughs> he was like, you, you were so busy. He goes, I didn't want to interrupt. So he goes, I thought I would wait <laughs> and oh. give you time. That is so cute. I mean, um, being a gentleman goes a long way. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, so like we went out that night and then I saw him again the next night. And then I think I went on two more dates with him before Christmas. So like that was December 18th. Wow. And like we've just never been apart since. Wow. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. And then how long were you together before he asked you to marry him? So we had been together for two years and uh, we were taking a trip to Mexico together uh, for a friend's wedding and, uh, or sorry, a friend's birthday party. And um, now I didn't think he was going to propose. Everybody kept asking me if they thought he was going to propose. And I was like, no, I said, he's never been married. I don't think that's in his, like, he just, I just think that he was like, you know, wanted to be in a nice relationship, but marriage was just not for him mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? Because we were old, we were both older, right? Like that was eight years ago now. Yeah. Um, so two years after we started dating, he, uh, we went to Mexico and he had bought a ring and he proposed to me in Mexico. And I was like a hundred percent shocked. Yes. <laughs> did you want to get remarried? You know what? We had had a conversation earlier um because we had been talking about living together right because he said well I didn't know like because we were talking about should we live together should we not live together and and he and I said well yeah we could I mean we spent we were spending all every day every day together kind of thing right so um I said no no we can live together and he said well I wasn't sure if you had to be married you know in oh, order to be the Italian family Maybe, right? And I said, oh, I said, no, no. I said, you know what? And I kind of said it at that point. So this way, I think he knew he was in. But I yeah. said, like, you know, um, I, I can't remember. How did I put it? I think I put it in such a way that it was like, I don't need to be married. Like, we don't need to go and get married and everything like that. I said, but I feel like I would marry you and the person right. that you are. Right. And so then I think at that point is when he started thinking about potentially asking me to marry him and stuff like that. And then, yeah, we got, we, he bit, we bit the bullet and we, well, you came to the wedding, you, and, and it was an amazing, one of the most amazing nights of my life for sure. And what made you fall in love with him? Oh, I know the time I, the, I know the day I fell in love with him. So he knows, um, I had told him that I loved, um, this song by Keith Urban mm -hmm. and, he learned how to play it on guitar for me. I think I heard this before. I think <laughs> yeah. I this. yes. Yeah. And he started playing. He goes, I, I did something. I've got you a little present. So he started playing the song. And right then and there is when I fell in love with him. Oh, <laughs> and that was probably a couple of months into us dating. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And was he just rom as romantic the whole way throughout? 
Oh yeah, Jay is very romantic. He's Aww. he's very he's a very gentle soul. He's um yeah, he's just so sweet. He's a sweetie. He's a sweetheart. I still love him today as much as I loved him like that point in time. And he's always trying to do things for us. Like he he just he wants to make me happy, and in turn, I want to make him happy, yes. and vice versa. And it's that beautiful mutual type of relationship you're exactly. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's like, I'm, you know, I'm working on myself. I'm trying to do things for myself, but I know that in that he's doing that for himself as well. And we're coming together. I mean, we're still, you know, actually we've been married now. It'll be four years in November. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it feels like we're still honeymooning though. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I have to ask, was there any point in this relationship where you felt like you weren't worthy or you had doubts because of what had happened in the past? Actually, no, you know what? Never. I never thought that about Jay um, or myself that I wasn't worthy of him. It was just, it just, for me, it was more like, wow, I wish I would have met you 20 years ago. Yes. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love, I love, love. And I love that story so much. It's so beautiful. And so now I want you to tell me where you are now and what you're looking forward to in the future. Wow. Where am I? So as I said, I'm 53. I'm actually looking towards retirement. Um, You know, not, not anytime too soon, but probably within the next five years, you know, potentially doing a bit of retirement Mm -hmm. and slowing down from a corporate world and, and doing something different, maybe something, you know, entertainment wise kind of thing. But yeah, like, you know, what do I look forward to now? Um, You know, we're planning trips like we've got a we've got a nice trip planned to Mexico in December. Mm -hmm. Um, So looking forward to that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know, living life, really just, you know, getting back to life. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love it. Uh, So I end every interview with four questions and I'd love to jump into them. But before that, do you have anything else you would like to say? Any last message you would like to share with everyone? No, you know what? I, I guess, I mean, in terms of, I mean, you, you create such a positive, a positive um, podcast and everything you do with your good force Fridays and that kind of thing. I think, I think the biggest thing that I want people to know is like, you know, trust yourselves, trust, you know, in terms of the communication that you have with all of your different relationships, trust in that, trust in your gut, trust in what you're thinking, and that will be a better outcome for whatever relationship that is, be it a love relationship parental relationship, a friend relationship, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So the final four questions, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) What is some of the best advice you've been given and from whom? Oh, wow. Best advice. Oh, wow. There's been some, you know, really influential women in my life. And I think that has probably been a, a piece the advice that they would have given me would be like to be myself, mm-hmm. to to stand up 
I mean, in, in the insurance world, it's, a, it's very much a man's world, or it had been a very much a man's world. And yeah. it's slowly changing, very much like the world is changing, right? Yeah. And so I think some of the advice that they would have given me would have been like, and there's a couple of different women, and they all kind of had same kind of advice, but just in different parts of my career throughout my, my life. And, and it was about standing strong, believing in myself, and going after what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And do you think that there's like um, something that you did specifically that built that confidence? Um, I think some of the things in terms from a business point of view is to do your homework, make sure like that's something that is, is like, that's very important to me is like, do your homework, know what you're talking about, because that will give you the confidence and the wherewithal to get through to that next piece. Now, there's always going to be people who are going to try and pull you back. And there's always going to be people that, you know, will cut you down or whatever. But again, know the facts, know what you're trying to achieve and be kind. Like, I mean, it really, I have, you know, I have gotten a lot further ahead because, I'm kind and I listen and, and that's who I want people to think of me as not yeah. as someone who's trying to step all over you and get my own way. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you. Okay. Next one. What is some of the worst advice? you? <laughs> worst advice. Worst. I'm it now. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Um, well, I don't know. Again, it, it's kind of like on the flip side where somebody was trying to give me a job and they were like, well, you need to prove yourself. And, and before mm -hmm. you, I'll give you the job, but we're going to give you it to you like almost half-assed yes. kind of, you know, we'll make you, you know, you're not going to be the VP. You're going to be the assistant VP, but you're still going to do all the work that all those other VPs are doing. And I remember at the time, like that was like in their mind, they were doing me a favor by doing that because I could learn the job. And I, I just kind of held true to myself looking back at that positive mm -hmm. advice is like, nope, I don't want the job then. If yeah. I can't, if you don't trust me enough to do the job as soon as you get, give it to me, yeah. then maybe this is not the right thing for us. Yeah. And I was very proud of myself. So, I mean, in terms of this person's trying to say, I'm going to try and help you along by not giving you the job. I was like, nope, I don't want that. I'm going to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. I will wait for when you or somebody else thinks that I can do the job and I will go and take that job. Yeah. Without having to prove yourself. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great answer to that question. It's definitely a more tricky one to answer, but I love, I love where you went with that. <laughs> now, this is my ultimate favorite question. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What advice would you give your younger self or someone in the younger generation? Great question. Fantastic question. Um, as a woman, some of the advice that I would give myself was to believe in myself more at the time. Because mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't believe I was that people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm not now, but at that point in time, it was things were going to be okay. And don't and believe in what you can do. You know, mm -hmm. even though I did push forward, I still was very hesitant at the time kind of thing, right? To take a few more little chances, listen to my gut, 
because there were a couple of opportunities in my earlier life where I think if I had listened to my gut, maybe the trajectory of my life might have been different. Not that I'm not happy with where my life ended up, because I'm very happy with where my life ended up. But some things could have changed had I listened to my gut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, as a woman to another female, again, listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. Be careful. Be mindful of your surroundings. Be in control of your surroundings and yourself. Mm-hmm. As a male, a younger male person, I would say, you know, learn, listen to all different kinds of people in terms of the advice, both men and women have fantastic advice to give you. But sometimes I feel the younger, the younger guys are like, Oh, I've got to be the guy's guy. And I've got to listen to the guy or whatever. And sometimes a woman can guide them along and help them as well. Mm -hmm. I love that answer so, so much. It's fantastic. All right. Last one. This is um, another favorite of mine. I save them all to the end. Um, But I really love to end all interviews in a state of gratitude after you have just dove into like your whole life, some of the hardest parts of your life and lived through all that. I just want to end it in a state of gratitude. So I ask you, what are you grateful for? Oh, easy peasy. (laughs) I am grateful uh, for my husband, my son, those two 100% want, I I couldn't, couldn't imagine my life without them. Very grateful for having an amazing mom, Mm -hmm. even though, oh, no, I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) You know, she's been through a lot of tough things for her whole life. And to see how tough she is right now, it's just so great. I'm grateful to have a mom like that. And I still look up to her. Yeah. Um, grateful for my my family and my my best friends. Um, couldn't live life without them. And it's all about it's. it's I'm grateful to have the people in my life that I do have because they make such a difference in my life, and I love them immensely. Yeah. I love that. And just to end it off, I love that you said that about your friends, because I do think that life is better with other people and that when you find the people that light your soul on fire, it's just such a beautiful gift. Um, So thank you so much again for joining Uh, today. It has been so awesome to talk to you and you have just given so many pieces of advice, so many great takeaways that people can apply to their own life, I hope. Uh, So thank you again so much. Oh, no, thank you for letting me do this i mean you've just uh now you've given me a piece of something that i wanted to do my whole life kind of thing so thank you and i you know what i'm very proud of you and what you do and you're doing an amazing job your mom and dad i can't imagine how proud of you they are thank you so much love you